Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And th- Liam, that was really fast. Are you okay? I'm just excited to get to it, man. Oh, okay. We don't, need, we don't need to linger on me. Okay, sure. Well, um, then we won't linger on me either. People may be wondering, hey, that sounded like a pretty normal intro, sort of devoid of demonic possession, spooktober men, any of them, or anything else. And you're right. It was. There's a couple reasons for that. We don't really know which one's the right one. I will tell you that I am sitting here recording in a state of constant fear because I don't know when the Spooktober man may return and I know that he may well be inside me and then just maybe I'm just fucked forever. Or we did learn last week that the Spooktober man could be Laura, which would be very upsetting, but Laura is not here. And uh, maybe that's why we're not really getting. I know she wasn't here the first week either, but you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways and maybe that's what's happening here. (laughs) And, uh, alternatively we watched something pretty fun this week i think so maybe we've just built a fun shield liam i don't know if you have any assessment here that's i mean that's a really good point i think what we also need to remember is that the spooktober man seems to penetrate the airwaves and your soul when we are in the intro and outro segments so the quicker we get through you know the, the oh, okay. more we yeah we're giving yeah more we do yeah less of a window so that the quicker we get into the bulk of the episode, we'll know. And we don't have any segmented music to bring us from intro into the middle portion. So right. all we can really do is kind of get through the formalities as quick as we can. And then if I say something like, Corey, have you done anything spooky over the last week? I think that takes us... Now we're out of the intro yeah, and we're we've into We've transitioned like, segments. We're, yeah, we're into like the, the end of the first act. Yeah. We've, Corey, have yeah. you seen anything spooky? Have I seen anything spooky? Like in my or day-to-day life? Watched? Yeah. Um, well, as we've talked about a little bit, I finally, uh, got to watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which looms large in the legend of our podcast. And, yes, uh, the original. Yeah. And that's a truly vile and disgusting filmmaking experience. And it's extremely good. And, um, that definitely stuck with me. It's like, it's scary, but it's also just really like dirty. You know, it just feels kind of grungy to watch it. Oh yeah, it's you can feel the sweat in that movie. Yeah, it's like just it's like super it, seedy. It radiates heat too in like a gross way. Like everything feels like it sucks to be around. And oh, people yeah, are in yeah. like seventies outfits. Like that man is in jeans and like a button-up shirt, and it's like clearly like three hundred degrees. Oh yeah, you can just <laughs> smell it. I know. I know when they filmed when they filmed the dinner scene. You know, it took a, a couple days, of course, and yeah. uh, they did. They weren't changing the food on the table, Ugh. and and the actor for Leatherface was had to wear the same clothes every day, so no one would sit by him when they were like having lunch and stuff. Bro. That they'll obviously they have lights up at the top, you know, to light the scene, you know, hot lights, and they're like cooking the food on the table, and Ugh. then they come back the day later, and oh my, heavy man, heavy Bro, stuff, and, and you Toby can feel Hooper's it. So fucking a grungy, gross man. That's just that's one of those movies that is like right place at the right time, where like all the all the effort and and like heartache that went into making that movie is felt because sometimes you know so many movies are so hard to make but then that doesn't translate and then you just you can't yeah, you the just, movie feels very sterile but this one is like man it, it must have felt wrong at the time but it totally endures you can you can feel that when you're watching it yeah totally and we talked a little bit about i'm not going to give everybody a big lecture here about my comparison points between 
the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. Just want to point out, holy shit, there's a lot of them. I was giving the next generation maybe a smidge more credit than it deserves, but only a smidge. Um, in terms of actual scary stuff, I haven't read anything scary, but I don't know. I've gone for some walks at night and the vibe right now is truly exceptional. Sometimes you go out, it's spitting rain a little bit. There's a wind in the air. There's a chill in your bones and you know, leaves are flying around. It's dark out and you're just like, yeah, this is good. If you go down the right street, you'll just get like a big street light in the distance. You're like, there could be a fucking knife wielding man up there. Maybe that would be spooky for sure. And then usually there's not, but like, what if there was, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you just think about it the whole way. Yeah. I take to I take to wielding a knife myself to reduce the chances that I will find that knife wielding. Do you have maniac. a knife? If, if I'm the maniac, well, like I, you know, I put peanut butter on my bagels in the morning. I got some knives for doing that. <laughs> but like, if you go for a walk, if you're walking your dog, do you have a butter knife on you, or do you have like a an, an alternative knife? I'll tell you what, uh, yesterday when I walked my dog midday, so not at the nighttime, not as spooky, midday, um, but still kind of spitting rain, kind of dark. There are crumpled leaves on the ground and there's that autumn smell in the air. I did have a very sharp, small knife with me because I was cutting up a green apple as I was walking and I would take a bite what and then I would fuck? give a piece to my dog and I would eat it. And so by the time I finished the apple, I just had this knife with me and I had to try to look as inconspicuous as possible as I was I love the image of you casually like slicing up some fruit and feeding your dog though. That's very nice. That's not scary at all. That's, yeah, that's yeah. good pet ownership. And 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 even when the apple is gone, I think because I have the dog, I probably seem less scary. And luckily, I don't think I'm that an imposing of a figure. You know, I, I, I hate I to break it to you, but you're definitely not. <laughs> not imposing. Yeah, no. yeah. I can't grow. I can't grow facial hair. Not super muscular. So when, when I see people on the street, even if I have a knife, I think they're probably they're probably okay. But uh, we may be know. the when stood next to each other. The least intimidating podcasting duo imaginable. It's true, Corey and I. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are uh, a very because um... I do feel like you have like you do have like a podcast bro aesthetic. That's just like big dudes with bald heads who are like yelling curse words, like and talking yeah. about like big yeah. bad boy stuff. And it's just like, nah, man, Slam- they're slamming beers all yeah, the time. Right? They're just and, like. Yeah. Uh, cracking open a cold one with their bros and also like uh saying very problematic things yeah so we're not that but we do have knives so you know you <laughs> you weigh your options down dark streets yeah yep. um you know who else has a knife who maybe somebody from the midnight society am i right <laughs> that was maybe pretty good we'll have to find out um because i'm assuming you didn't see that much else spooky not like maybe not like notably spooky i wasn't sure was it too early to segue you tell me let's do a live uh, feedback segment mid podcast sure. well, I, 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 I love october so much so so never assume that i haven't seen anything spooky i saw um you saw you great... see spooky things when it's not october so maybe i should let you go a little bit <laughs> that's right yeah um I, I saw a slasher movie from 2020 called open 24 hours it was really really good one it was um it takes place at a roadside gas station the whole movie um it's this woman's first night working the overnight shift and she uh 
her her ex-boyfriend who was a serial killer seems to have escaped the prison (laughs) that he was in and she's working overnight at this gas station and oh no maybe he's coming to get her so that was really good open 24 hours i also saw donnie darko for the first time oh shit okay yeah I was surprised to learn as I was watching it is very much a Halloween October movie. So that was that was really cool. Um, I, I, I loved it. That was a great movie. And I also rewatched Monster House, in my opinion, <laughs> one of the best, uh, I would say, horror movies of all time. It is. Wait, it wow, is, wait, wait, really? Yes. Yeah. Wow. I think it is. I think it is the perfect kids horror movie. I think though it, it, it's it's formatted exactly like an adult horror movie but all the beats are just lessened a bit to be palpable for kids but but in terms of the structure and the from like the cold open to the prior evil to the um people getting picked off one by one and so to the the monster house to them yeah dude it's just (laughs) it's a amazing movie i love it 10 out of 10 i gotta see it then because like i've seen it but like i haven't like seen it you know what i mean like i probably watched it when i was a kid but i don't have like a huge memory of it and uh like i've not sat down to like really experience the monstrous house so maybe i gotta do that yeah yeah i, I would revisit it it's on netflix and it's just a great did, great it, get, watch. did it get a sequel uh, no can i degrade no myself by watching like monster house 12 first <laughs> you can't no you this time you uh i don't know if it's fortunately or unfortunately for you but i think it's probably it's probably OG. fortunately knowing our track record yeah um, um i i uh i also saw the crow which is one of my favorite movies um halloween movie as well takes place on devil's night into halloween amazing movie i love it so much i just love the vibe of that thing that's one of my most watched movies i'd say um I watched Orphan, which is a great horror movie from 2009. Um, And that movie has just stuck with me ever since it came out. It's one of those movies that I can remember seeing the poster on the front of the theater when it was out and, you know, new, now showing. I remember very clearly that poster. So I I can recall when that was a new release. And now we're 11 years out and I've probably Um, seen it. Does the poster have like a girl on it? That's right. Okay. And is and like her hair's like up and it's like pale face. Am I picturing this right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, oh, yeah, I know it too then. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a cool poster. I mean, like it's nothing groundbreaking, but there's just something striking about it yeah. and it's a really cool movie. I think it it's a it's your it's a straightforward horror movie for most of the time, but a really well-made horror movie. It's 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 made by the same dude who did the House of Wax remake from 2005, which is something I hope we get to on this podcast at some point. And he just has this way of of telling stories and making them feel much bigger than the uh, the plot actually necessitates. And so um, it's just a really cool cold movie it takes place in the snow a whole lot of it and it has a killer twist man i don't i don't know if you know i don't how know this movie it goes so don't down. tell me because i i it sounds right, like i should yeah. probably experience it absolutely yeah my girlfriend was stoked to see this movie with me but unfortunately she knew just from ah like, shit conversations over the last like 11 years like eventually she heard because it's kind of like a i would say it's like a modern the orphan lives in the sense. walls 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like a modern sixth sense sort of thing, not in terms of like how much attention it got, but just in that the twist is big and people talk about it. So uh, unfortunately, she had heard about it, but it's really cool That's if you don't know. I, yeah. would, I would recommend checking that out. And then I rewatched Searching, which is one of my favorite movies from the last uh, few years. Is that the, the John Cho movie? Yeah. Have you gotten to that one yet? No, but my favorite part about this podcast is twofold. A... Every time I ask you about scary stuff, you always have way more to say than I expect you to, and I love that. B, um, I love how many times you will bring up a movie, and I get to say, haven't seen that yet, but I can't wait to, which is most yeah. of the time. <laughs> and yeah, I can. I remember when Searching came out, 2018, and I texted the shit out of you after I got out. I was like, yeah, you it was, have to see he this gave me movie. like the big sell, and I, yeah. and I committed to seeing it, and I just, I will. Yeah, I'm getting to it. And, that's, and normally, that's, uh, it's all the it's uh it's like unfriended. It's all in computer screens. That's right. That yeah. classic reference point that everybody loves, unfriended. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's that's a killer movie. And then I topped it all off this morning by finishing Love Island season three. Giving myself the scariest a thing a of all. Yeah, <laughs> giving real life horror. Yeah. Well, and, I was thinking, uh, uh, yeah. Talk about Love Island for a sec. Uh, well, it's a, it's a huge show in Britain. They air, uh, an episode every single day, basically throughout the whole summer. So every season is about 60 episodes and it's just, how do they edit um, it so fast? Oh man. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> that a lot of the times too. And like people uh, about once a week, they ask the audience to vote on who is going home and then you'll see the results of that the next day. So like it's it's not a reality show where it's pre-recorded and all edited. Yeah, it's like it's airing as you're watching. It's, it's a really cool idea. And the, and the idea is that they just they put these people in this villa in Spain and uh, about 10 of them are together at once and they they're looking for love and so they want to couple up and, and get to know people um but then about every week or so someone's got to go and uh and they get dropped in the love pit that's and it yeah. get out of there it's cool it's it's really it's not as trashy as i thought it would be when i started watching it um and it's really cool to just see some of these like sincere relationship talks that people have as they're trying to figure out how to uh cohabitate yeah and, and so have you watched other shows like that like where like if you have is where is this on like a bachelor scale of trashiness or is this like your intro into the format basically i haven't seen the bachelor so i couldn't tell you about that one i have seen a show on netflix that came out oh, late is last the year one where they have to like this, early this they year? have to meet people without seeing them no, oh, but shit. my girlfriend has told me all yeah, about I, that. I and saw it, a couple episodes of that. It's fucking insane. That's right. And and my girlfriend is watching Love Island with me. So from what she has told me, that is far trashier. Um, we also watched a show that came out. I think it was early this year. I think it was like right around when quarantine started called Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. What the fuck and is that? And that one is is like 10 people are in like a resort together, very Love Islandy, and they have to couple up um, and people get sent in and people get sent home. So very similar to Love Island. But the catch is that these people can't have sex. Um, but this show is uh, Too Hot to Handle is way trashier than Love Island because on Love Island they're not having sex all that often like that's not what the show is about so it's, it's like it's not called producers... sex island 
Yeah, so it's like the producers for Too Hot to Handle specifically went out of their way to just find, like, fuck bros and, like, people that are like, yeah, dude, sex, bro, so, let's do it, let's so, get it. And So, so Too Hot to Handle is, like, the horny viewers love island. Yeah, yeah, okay. that's right. That doesn't and sound like so, a great program, IMO. Yeah, and, and also, it's a much shorter season, so it's, like, edited like your typical reality show where, yeah. like, big stuff is happening every episode, right? Whereas Love Island, because it's, like, 50 episodes oh do you sometimes um, get like the course uh, of a season not like filler but you get like a like a quote-unquote boring one like you get a slow one yeah just yeah like people and, are just and, hanging out that's right you get a lot of moments like that you know obviously there's 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 something that you could consider big every single episode but the the resonance of that big thing will vary and sometimes it, it actually isn't that consequential and so there's just a lot of fun scenes of just people talking and being friends and you know you do have your reality show you're like typical the producers need to fuck with people and make some <laughs> drama so they do that and so it's not it's not totally removed from uh from all those other things but it is my favorite of of uh what i've heard and what i've seen of these types of reality shows for sure yeah it sounds great and it sounds like a great palate cleanser if nothing else because you went pretty hard on the halloween stuff i wish i've had more time to do that but uh between work i feel like this podcast makes it sound like i'm never not working um it's just that sometimes like my hours fluctuate so it's hard to like plan out when a good time to watch stuff is and uh beyond that sometimes i'm just like you do a bunch of work and then like we're doing the show maybe or i'm doing a different show and i'm just like tired you know and i want to yeah. feel like i can commit to like watching a thing and like giving it my actual attention i've been trying to finish the love witch for like two fucking weeks and That's I'm just like, right. and I'm like, yeah. where, where am I supposed to find this hour of time where I'm not prepping for some other show or my job, and I can just do this and like, but be focusing, you know? Like, I want to give it actual. Like, I don't want to do it super mindlessly. So that's been tough. So I'm playing a lot of F1 mindlessly though. So maybe that's telling me something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's my own fault. <laughs> just saying, someone's got to keep Hamilton at bay. Right? Yeah, and it may as well be a, a fictional in-game version of me playing on a difficulty that's probably slightly too low so i can just fucking dumpster everybody all the time sounds great <laughs> yeah i love winning a lot <laughs> nobody cares about this but me okay speaking of things that's a bad segue let's not do that that seems like an speaking of things no one cares, cares about, about. But me. <laughs> yeah that's not a great segue pretty much at all um but i can't do my knife segue anymore because i used it already that's but, right uh speaking of horror that's good for kids there it is Right, I, I know yeah. that I know that was before Love Island and a couple other things, but we did speak of it. But we did speak of it, and uh, we are hitting the quintessential kid horror TV experience by checking out the reboot of Are You Afraid of the Dark from 2019. Mm. And uh, before we get into that, somebody got a theremin in here, or was that a ghost? <laughs> Oh, no. Is a ghost playing the theremin? Corey, is that you? It's still me, yeah. Okay, good. Don't worry. The Spooktoberman would never do a bit so stupid. We need to to come up (laughs) with, like, a sign so that I know when it's the Spooktoberman or when it's just you being goofy. Okay, Okay, so I don't have something super helpful for that. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I just opened our soundboard. The buttons are all fucked up again. I don't know what happened. 
I was gonna Toberman. I was gonna hit a button that says Corey hates it, and that was gonna be our Spooktoberman signal because <laughs> I hate what's happening. Um, yeah, yeah. You can control your fingers, but not your voice. Yeah. Things. So like, I can just be like, Corey hates it. Corey hates it. Um, <laughs> help! Help! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so that'll sound like this. I'm gonna go with this button instead. Clancy Brown strikes again. I don't know why this one's still in there because every other button is gone except for that. So maybe Clancy's trying to tell me something. I don't know. Hmm. But uh, I mean, the Spooktober man has to have a birth name, right? Maybe yeah, I don't think Clancy it's him. Man. I think we we did it. We we uh we made up with Clancy. I know, but I gotta tell you, dude. Especially after watching all the scary movies I've watched this last week, when you say I don't think it's him, it's we usually made up him. With them, it's it's usually them. Yeah. It's not Leatherface. We hang out with Leatherface, and then it's Leatherface. <laughs> Leatherface and I are cool now. Yeah, Leatherface and I like to go bowling on weekends. Um, what is your history with Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because I'm just going to start with I have n- not properly seen an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark before this. I will say I have watched YouTube videos talking about Are You Afraid of the Dark. I don't have much to go off other than that. So I feel like you might. Yeah, um, I'll tell you right now, Corey, if Are You Afraid of the Dark wasn't playing on the TV when I was born, I didn't come to it that far after that. I feel like Are You Afraid of the Dark has been there as long as my own dad. Um, this The show <laughs> started in 1990, and so uh, I was born in 96. It was already around, and my memories with this show go so far back, dude. Goosebumps in it are right intertwined. Um, they're both Canadian shows that are sort of creepy for kids. Um, and I don't know if Are You Afraid of the Dark got me on the horror train or if it was the other way around. I, I think I d- Are You Afraid of the Dark definitely came before Carrie and American Werewolf in London, which I've said are my first horror movies. Um, so maybe are you afraid of the dark is what did it to me i mean it could be like my scooby-doo where it was just on tv i watched it and that's what got me invested in the horror world but um it's just it's one of those shows that was just always on cable and so i clicked on it one day um and i was just totally blown away i loved that every episode was different um i loved the the idea of that you get at the beginning and end of every episode of kids telling these stories to each other. Um, and it stayed on air in reruns throughout most of my childhood. So even though the show was over with in terms of new episodes by I think 2000, um, I, I had friends coming over to my house after school to watch this show as late as like 2008 2009 we would get out of school we would walk across the street to my house a, a group of friends and me and the show would come on at four and then it would play again at 4 30 so two episodes would play right after school and we would we would watch it at that point in my life i had seen all the episodes before um just from watching it on tv so much but i absolutely loved the show um it was a huge part of my horror upbringing i can remember going as a creature i saw in one of the episodes of the show for halloween one year um no dude actually it wasn't even halloween it was like a summer (laughs) fair where they can it was it was brunch with my parents (laughs) yeah and i was 22 years old (laughs) 
there was this summer fair where like uh was a it a carnival per chance paint your face sort of like a carnival but was, not how much how like, much doom was there <laughs> i think it was like a canada day sort of thing sure and i went up to the to the this teenager that was working there painting the kids faces like you know like putting like uh making them into like, like a, a butterfly dinosaur or some or shit like a butterfly and i the night beforehand i had seen an episode of are you afraid of the dark that ended with this teenage girl looking in the mirror and seeing this like terrified burnt kind of half charred face Fuck. i don't i can't i can't recall which episode this is now um but it, it ended with that and then it was a to be continued and Ooh. um and so I, on the the fair day i go up to this teenager and i like describe this face to her because i want this face on on my face and she does some <laughs> sort of slapdash job i was like and, and i got it it didn't look anything like my memory and i was like what the fuck did she not see the episode of are you afraid of the dark last night because <laughs> I, I thought that everyone was watching this show and i thought that everyone would be so eager to see part two is everyone so got- not obsessed with are you afraid of the dark like I am. <laughs> and so, so dude, I go home that night and like 9 p.m. comes around, you know, when the show is going to play and I put it on and it's a complete, it's not part two. Motherfucker. I don't get to see how the story ends. And it was, I think at that point is when I realized that reruns are a thing. And every time <laughs> you see a show on the TV, it's not a new episode. Um, was that like a, uh, was that like a haunting experience when you realized like the nightmares <laughs> of syndicated television? It was just, it was kind of a bummer, man, because it was like, I, I I could see the episodes I liked again because reruns Wait, would play. Wait, whoa, and it, did you ever yeah. see part two? Uh, man, I don't know if I have. Oh my god, somebody just, listening listen. will know the episode down to the name if Liam doesn't, which he might, but if anybody knows and can definitively get us the part two, let us know. We want to please, see Please, yeah, please. Because that's another problem with syndication is though, even though I like the idea of like a mystery bag, especially when I was watching the show after school with my friends at that, that point, I understood reruns, of course. Every time we put on the, ep- uh, the TV, it could be a total random episode. And if it's one that I had seen before and loved, I was stoked. I'd be like, oh, guys, you've got to watch this one. You've got to watch the one really- where, the, where the jar comes to life and you're like, fuck, yeah, let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the tale um, of but- the living jar. But a problem with syndication <laughs> is that they often replay the same episodes. It's mm. it's kind of like when you use your iPod on Shuffle nowadays because yeah. they've like changed the way yeah. Shuffle and, and works. And Apple's and like, get... oh, we know you like this shit. Here's the yeah. same Talking Heads song 14 times. Yeah, which is probably why, despite a decade of watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? And there's only so many episodes. I might never have seen part two to that story because they just, that's, that's one that they never really that's played. That's crazy. Um, but I've, so seen, I've, I've seen the bulk of these episodes um, many times, if, if not, you know, just once. And I, I watched a couple with my girlfriend in the lead up to this just to give her an idea of the show because she hadn't seen it either. And it's one that's just it's so fun to put on man it's like a kid's version of tales from the crypt which i've also grown to love and so it's just total comfort food um big big part of my of my horror childhood absolutely love are you afraid of the dark and so i was super 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 duper stoked to (laughs) see the reboot uh for anyone keeping score at home we are eventually going to run out of stuff that liam loves and grew up on i swear to god (laughs) there can't be that many more just statistically speaking we're gonna get a long there. life i mean, i'm a bit older than you Corey. this is what i spent my time doing 
You're not that much older than me. I got a couple months on you. Yeah, I was, it was a busy couple. Months. I had to think about it where I was like, "Did I forget your age?" And I was just like, "I fucked up." I'm like, "Oh God, Liam's 28." <laughs> Whoops. Uh, but yeah, I was uh, I was really excited too, just because you know, with a reboot like just a full and proper reboot, it's kind of a fifty fifty. Some reboots are great. Some people really understand the appeal of the original thing and are able to update it in a way that feels meaningful or even like soft reboots. Um, like the more, like the more recent Halloween movies. I haven't seen those, but I know people like them a lot, uh, in part because there's an understanding of like what people both like about Halloween and would want to see in a Halloween right now. So like for me, there was always the possibility that are you afraid of the dark was just going to be really good. I also, um, I tend to like the stuff that we watch, that's aimed at a younger audience. I feel like the hit rate on that's been relatively good. All things considered. So I was pretty optimistic. We've certainly had a few like notable whiffs in that regard, like Flintstones and stuff. But I was, you know, I had reason to be excited for sure. And I think it's a good, it's a great idea, like a great concept for a show. It is. Yeah. It's been long enough. Um, and we're kind of, we're a little while away from, horror for kids like that was a big thing in the 90s um yeah and so into the early 2000s because that stuff was rerunning and so it was a good time to be a horror fan and, and get kids into that stuff but that stuff hasn't really stuck around nowadays no. and so I it's, think... it's nice that it's kind of coming back between this and and the goosebumps movie that came out a few years ago as well yeah i think maybe is that maybe because the 80s was like prolific for horror obviously and then all the kids or like teens that saw all the 80s stuff just started making stuff in the 90s that like they wanted to get people in with so then they could grow up a bit and then see the 80s stuff that they liked like they wanted to make gateway drugs basically or is it just pure happenstance like i think that's a really good theory i think yeah i think the 80s are huge for horror so that bleeds into the 90s and then you get like your your the tail end of the 80s into the 90s and then that stuff gets rerun in the early 2000s so it stretches on a whole decade past the the prime yeah. in the 80s and now the kids that were kids in 80s 90s are now making stuff you know because yeah. like you're, you're getting the, the people now that are clearly very nostalgic for both are you afraid of the dark and just like 80s horror movies but i also think that might be part of why like the 2000s was maybe a bit of a drought because nobody really like i feel like there's not a ton of respect for that era of horror in the same way that like the 80s has of course because the 80s are the 80s and people revere the shit out of that so i wonder if that's maybe why like it just becomes this like recursive nostalgia cycle yeah yeah it's 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 a big discussion um but i i think that's likely um you know we saw that's the scary stories to tell in the dark movie that came out last oh, yeah. year that, that I just caught up with. That's another big thing from late eighties, early nineties that kids had. And now it's finally getting, you know, redone. So I think, I think we are just seeing a lot of stuff from the eighties, nineties coming back yeah. to haunt us again. Yeah. So I'm glad that you're so excited. Uh, quick caveat for all of our listeners. Liam and I made a bit of an, uh Oh, whoops accident. We didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, let me correct that statement. Jeff Bezos, the world's richest <laughs> man. We're calling you out. You you fucked us this week. 
and we will not forgive you. Yeah. And, and not how you normally fuck us. Not either. how you this normally fuck everybody all the time. Do first of all, fuck Jeff Bezos because nobody needs that kind of fucking money and Amazon has abusive workplace practices. So let's get that out of the way. But if you're going to have Jeff that money, fuck Jeff Bezos for all of that. If you're going to have that kind of money, at least, at least check your fucking sure website. Are you afraid of the dark mini series? Is in order. So, on Amazon Prime Video, the fucking series is listed out of order. So, here's what's fucked up, right? So, they're numbered one, two, three. And then you can see the title is includes part one and then part three and then part two. But if you look at the numbers in the column and then read the plot synopses, it more or less sounds like it's in the right order. And then if you open it to play the episode on the screen, it says... For episode three, it says season one, episode two, are you afraid of the dark P dot dot dot? So I and Liam, I found out, just sort of assumed it was in the right order until it became very clear that it was not. And it took me a lot of the episode to realize I was giving the show a lot of credit to see where it was going. Yeah, well, th- yeah, dude. And I, we can get I into didn't... that because I think our... our our interpretation of the show is inextricably linked to the fact that we watched it in the wrong order. That's right. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I sat through the entire, my second episode, which is actually the last episode. And I knew things were off early on. I'm, I'm, I was writing notes like, uh, man, it's weird I feel like I they, missed everything. That yeah. That they're just describing this. This is interesting. And so I, yeah, when you hover your little mouse over the episode, I'm doing it right now. I'm on, watch like the second episode because it, it says the first episode says one dot are you afraid of the dark part one so we started in the proper place Corey and i and then the second episode right beneath it says two dot are you afraid of the dark and and when i'm on the episode page here <laughs> it does in fact say part three yes Destroy all it does so okay that's our fault but when you click on that episode goes, and then hover yeah. your little mouse I know. it says are you afraid of the dark season one episode two yes Yes. So so when I hovered my little mousy a little bit into that second episode to see if I was on the right episode, it said episode two. So you're just like, figured, okay, this okay. is what they're doing. Yeah. This is Ben David's choice, plan. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, you're going to have to deal with that. This is a, a miniseries in a very loose sense. Kind of feels like a TV movie that they broke up into parts. Um, it could be argued that this is just a movie. It's about two hours of content, a little bit, maybe a little bit more. Uh, it's three episodes, and in a very short description, I pulled this from Wikipedia uh, just because I knew it was going to be concise. But actually, actually, you know what? Fuck the Wikipedia. I can also be concise. Take that Wikipedia. We don't need you anymore. You're done. We don't. Tr- we don't trust. We don't trust things. the internet anymore. Big computers. We don't trust that. I only listen to small computers. Um, I don't know what that joke is supposed to mean. So we have Rachel, who is the new kid at school, and she also ends up being the new kid that uh, joins the Midnight Society eventually due to reasons, due to wearing skull and crossbone earrings and knowing what what's the movie that she knew the name of that he's like, oh, wow, she knew what this movie was. Maybe she's for real. I can't remember. I can't recall either, but Corey, what's what's a Midnight Society? Oh, well, the Midnight Society is uh, a cult, and 
<laughs> it's not not a cult. It's like a weird ritualistic thing that hangs out in the woods at night and they light fires and wear masks and shit. It's not not a cult. Man, if people haven't seen any Are You Afraid of the Dark before, we're giving them a so, wild idea. So Are You Afraid of the Dark's Midnight Society is a group of kids that hang out in the woods at night and um, they sort of induct people in who they think are going to be a good fit and they tell each other scary stories just to like, I don't know, live a little and have a good time. So she sort of goes through the trials and writes a story and gets inducted in and she tells the story and we see it play out. And um, then that story becomes real and all her friends have forgotten about it. And the the group has to sort of confront the fact that this, this story is real. That story revolves around Mr. Top Hat, who is the evil ringleader of the Carnival of Doom. And he like kidnaps children. And uh, a kid from their school goes missing. And Rachel feels partially responsible and also has to sort of confront this thing that she draws that like is like scary and gives her nightmares. And so it's confronting Mr. Top Hat's big mean carnival with her new friends, basically. Yeah, very, very different than the Are You Afraid of the Dark from the 90s? Because yeah. Are You Afraid of the Dark back then, it was just completely episodic, different cast every time, different stories. And the only uh, framing device, which you get in anthology films, and it's the same sort of thing in the TV series, was that at the beginning and the end of every episode, you would get these kids sitting around a campfire, introducing the story, um, and then having a bit of banter at the end of the story. Submitted once it was for the approval of the Midnight Society. This is the story of something, 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 something. Throw magical shit into the fire. Story begins. Pretty much, yeah. You would get, you would get a bit of talk before that happens. The, you know, you get right. to learn all the kids' names and sort of their dynamic, but you do not spend the time with them that we do um, in this miniseries, except for the very last episodes of um i think it's the the original series because the series actually went away for a few years and then came back yeah that's um, probably and, and still the quote-unquote original series because this is clearly very different that's right yeah and so there was actually um a uh, three-part series at the beginning of that final season in the year 2000 where they brought back um, the leader of the Midnight Society in those first few seasons that hadn't been there since that initial reboot in the late 90s. He comes back and then um, it's all about a kind of story coming to life and the Midnight Society kids having to deal with it. It was a three-part series and it was the first time that Are You Afraid of the Dark had gone away from the campfire but stuck with that Midnight Society cast. So this is actually sort of a similar thing to what Are You Afraid of the Dark did do on one occasion 20 years ago. But besides that, it is Tales from the Crypt Goosebumps style, just a, a new episode every single time. Yeah, and... um I, I kind of like this. I like this framing device because um, if they knew it was going to run as a really short miniseries, then you may as well sort of give yourself as much room to like tell a story as you can, and you may as well like use those episodes constructively. Um, really quick rundown: uh, the episodes are directed by Dean Israelite and written by Ben David Gravinsky, who appears to be the primary creative force behind the reboot, as far as I could tell. It seems like it was yes. kind of his thing and yeah. then brought some people along for the ride. Cinematography by James McMillan for all three episodes. 
and there is music from Jason Lazarus and Joseph Trapanese. Trapanese. Um, Jason Lazarus also worked on Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans Oblivion and Project Power. And then Joseph Trapanese also worked on Project Power and Oblivion and also did some of the Tron Uprising cartoon. Maybe all of it, but definitely some of it for sure. And uh, a Daft Punk documentary. And so cast wise, uh, because there's not a lot to speak about. A lot of these people, this is kind of their first or one of their first like big notable things. Um, so there's not a ton of like weird connections to sort of point out as there typically is. Um, we've got Liliana Ray, Sam Ash Arnold, Mia Ketch, Setch. I'm not sorry. I'm not sure. I'm really not. It's C E C H. So if anybody knows how to say that, let me know. Jeremy Ray Taylor, who is the one actor, one of the few actors you might recognize because he's an it in it chapter two. Um, also in goosebumps 2 the movie is he actually dude dude's making the fucking rounds yeah. <laughs> of kid horror uh i respect it tamara smart rafael casal who you might know from blind spotting uh cardi oh, wong yeah. michael adam thwite fiona vroom which is amazing her name is fiona vroom like a car that's awesome and uh forest residus and uh that's like the principal cast that we're worried about. The kids um, are uh, those first five names that I dropped there are our, our main crew. And uh, let's get one of the more obvious bits out of the way. So out of all of our uh, five main characters here, four of them are referencing existing horror directors and we know who they are. And then there's one name where it very may well be referencing a horror director before we started recording we could not figure out precisely who it was so our apologies for that if you know who it is tell us um but rachel's last name is carpenter it's john carpenter heard of it right uh gavin's last name is coscarelli which we had to google uh it's the phantasm guy i guess um graham's last name is ramey graham ramey that's pretty on the nose Louise, her last name is Fulci, like Lucio Fulci, who did like zombie and that shit. And then we've got a a Kiko whose last name is Yamato. And there may well be a very prominent horror director that we're glossing over whose surname is Yamato. We didn't find it before this started. Sorry. I don't know. That's all I got. Yeah. Sorry, Akiko. Um and maybe <laughs> maybe they maybe they just made that name up because they were like oh man I can't think of a fifth horror director <laughs> yeah these guys were like oh fuck <laughs> we've used them all <laughs> I thought we, like, we have we have to make Kiki someone's sibling so she that's can not also- her name <laughs> why do you keep saying Kiki I thought that's what you said her name was it's Akiko oh well her <laughs> friends call her Kiki does anybody I don't remember anybody calling her that. Oh, yeah, they called her out throughout the whole thing. Are you sure you weren't just hearing her name wrong a lot? Certain. <laughs> You're certain. Okay, whatever. Yep. It's fine. And um, I think that's all the horror name references. I think it's just those. Like, Adam's last name is Lynch. Maybe they mean David Lynch, but I doubt it. That's probably just the name. <laughs> Joe Lynch. That's also a horror director. What did he do? He did... um a TV show called Holliston. He also did a horror movie called Mayhem. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know who this is. Maybe I'm just a dunce. Well, we know that, but whatever. 
Uh, how well? How how do you feel about those last names? Um, they don't factor into the show at all. I didn't know any of them existed until I looked up the cast. I know that in the episode they occasionally appear on screen. I know that Rachel and Gavin both send up on missing kid posters at one point. They definitely say Car- Rachel Carpenter when she's first introduced to the class. But other than that, they are a non-factor, and I didn't know most of them were there until I looked it up. Um, in terms of how do I feel about them existing at all, uh, it's a bit on the heavy-handed side. It's like, dude, if you're rebooting Are You Afraid of the Dark, we know you like horror movies. You don't need to prove it. But, I mean, it's, right. it's cute, I guess. I mean, they proved it. Yamato. Yeah, maybe they uh, fucking stumped us. They stumped us. They did it. Um, what do you, I mean, you probably feel similarly, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've seen it done in other horror movies yeah. before. Uh, with those, most of those same names. I still don't know Yamato, so kudos to Are You Afraid of the Dark for that one. But I think this, this show does a whole lot of... Uh, horror references um and so it's just another one of those so yeah what can you do yeah there's a lot of those we got a cronenberg for president t-shirt at one point which don't get me wrong is pretty sick but like i i I always have the thought when adults rebooting a thing put in references to stuff that they like where it's like i have no doubt that people these kids age are into this stuff a hundred percent those kids exist it's not a complete fiction but it always feels really fucking heavy handed. <laughs> like it feels like, I don't know. These are what, this is what middle school, early high school, roughly yeah, middle. Yeah. Um, I don't know fucking anybody who was watching David Cronenberg movies in middle school or the equivalent of middle school. I just don't do. I think it's definitely happening. Yes. Does it feel heavy handed in the reboot of a horror TV show for kids to put something like that in there? Totally. Um, do I respect the creator's right to do it? Sure. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And, you know, it's not going to be heavy handed to the kids who don't know who Cronenberg is. And then yeah. the kids who do know those kids gonna who be are watching stoked. Cronenberg will be stoked. Yeah. So, like there's know, reference in there. Like there's a, I don't know, there's a Tangerine Dream reference. I got pretty giddy about that. The van, yeah, like in the Vangelist, I was like, hey, that's for me. I like those. Cool. Um, and, and, and just the simple stuff like, uh, um, Graham also has a shirt that just says watch, watch horror, horror movies. movies. Yeah. So I, I, I like that. The, yeah. This, this that seems more, horror. yeah, that seems more like a thing a kid would wear too. like a kid who's like just sort of getting into it. But like, then he starts referencing like deep cut, like Bela Lugosi movies. And I'm like, again, this kid definitely exists, but it feels a little bit silly. <laughs> Who is this? James Rolfe? Yeah. Is this fucking... Is this is this the angry video game nerd? Are you the angry video game nerd? I wonder what he would think about this series. He probably likes it. I could see him liking it, getting down on it. I will say my awareness of a lot of horror stuff as a kid was thanks to James Rolfe. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I owe James Rolfe a humongous debt of gratitude. Yeah. Monster madness. Let's yeah. Go. Fuck yeah. James Rolfe is the only reason I give a shit about Godzilla like at all because he did a month of Godzilla movies. Oh yeah, no, he's a he's an icon in shout the out, genre. Shout out to my man James Rolfe. And um yeah, I will say there's one there is one name reference and it's the only one that matters to me in my heart and I know Liam knows what it is. 
Oh, right when they said it. I, I didn't... I think of Corey when I hear this name before I think of the person. Like, if I... When I'm the image comes to mind, I hear this name, I think of Corey. It's like it's his name now. Yeah, so uh, they they first meet Gavin, the neighbor, for the first time. The, the nice-looking neighbor boy uh, when Rachel moves into her new house. And her mom says that he's got, like, a Timothy Chalamet look to him. And I'll, I'll just, like, you know... I'll talk a lot of shit about dumb references to things, but I will stop what I'm doing if I hear that name and try to figure out what we're talking about. So Man. I'm here for Timothy Chalamet references. I'm going to own it. I have two different computer screens in front of me. Both of the desktop wallpapers in- incorporate Timothy Chalamet in some fashion. Yeah, that was cool. That that felt very modern. I like stuff like that that ties it to a time. Um, it makes it feel you know, realer because it it's like a it contemporary thing. Dude, what surprised me is the fact that they doubled down on that. And so this movie isn't just deep cutting uh, horror movies. It also went in and referenced the Timothy Chalamet movie. Do you remember that? Did it? Oh, yeah. Which one? So when (laughs) Rachel finds uh, Gavin talking to her mom a little later on after she said that he looks like Timothy Chalamet, Rachel walks up and um, is like, hey, what's going on? And Gavin says, oh, I was just talking to your mom about the hot summer nights. Uh, Yeah, I heard that line and I also immediately thought that, but I thought there's no way that was a reference. Uh, You think it is? I think there's no way. Nobody saw that fucking movie. Dude, people who are involved in movies and like Timothy Chalamet absolutely would have seen that movie. I guess. I saw it. I didn't see it. I meant to, and I just kind of missed it uh, because it got a really delayed release. Damn. No, I was... See, but I also, my brain immediately went, that's a reference. But then I was sort of like, is it? But I guess it is. I guess we're... I guess this podcast is now in agreement that that was probably a reference. Has to be. I'm glad we both noticed that at least because I felt weird for like honing in on that a little bit. I'll be honest. Oh no, dude. I love the guy. That's ex- when I, when I came out to call me by your name, we that's all, exactly what I was thinking, we, I was just, you were thinking, dude kills. no, no, no. I meant, I just felt weird for latching onto like any string of words that sounds like a Timothy Chalamet movie title, assuming it's a reference. Oh no, dude. It was so <laughs> obvious. It was, it was such a weird line to just, it was say a clunky line. About, yeah. yeah. There's, there's no way it was. Um, but yeah, well, don't get me started on loving Timothy Chalamet. We'll be here all day. We all do. Everybody does. All right. Um, I have one more anecdote before we get into the actual TV show an hour into this goddamn podcast, <laughs> which is that uh, I was talking to my my friend, a friend of the show that shall remain nameless upon his request, that uh, the episodes were all fucked up and out of order, and that I was asking you if you had seen them in the right order, and then you didn't. And then... Uh, I'm just going to look at this uh, This here. He goes, uh, what's the miniseries? And then he also said, sure, because I had asked him if I could ask him a question. And so the, the, the questions go, can I ask you a question as a listener? And he goes, what's the miniseries? And sure, sure. And then I say, it's Are You Afraid of the Dark? And he says, yes, with the usual caveats, but yes. And then I said, do you think it's more interesting radio if I watch the episode and just discuss it? Or do I ask Liam to explain it to me if he watched them in the right order? And he goes, oh, I mistook that for the question. And then I said, yeah, Are You Afraid of the Darkest the miniseries? That's so fucking funny. <laughs> so he unwittingly told me that he is, with whatever the usual caveats are, afraid of the dark. 
and he because of that he, he refuses to be named on air he's so afraid he doesn't he, want his he name said, attached he said oh my god i almost fell out of my chair when i realized what i had said yeah, if we make Poor it public, guy. the darkness is going to come for. Yeah, him. so that was that was the one good positive thing that came out of the episodes being in the wrong order. But um, very nice. I'm going to do a podcast classic now, which is you're the guy who loves the original here, as is typical. So I just want you to get into it. I want you to uh, crack into the show here, and I want you to let me know how you felt about Are You Afraid of the Dark, 2019. Specifically. I'll do it. Yeah, here it goes. Here we go. I this he, miniseries, I'm gonna say it right now. Hit me. I loved it, but I didn't love everything about it, and I I I probably didn't even love the stuff that I was that that I would want to love. I didn't love all of it, I didn't love big chunks of it, but all in all, taking it as a, a miniseries front to back and an experience watching it, even though that experience was a bit skewed and out of yeah. order. I loved the experience. So um, I didn't love the story, the carnival stuff, and I didn't love the last episode, um, which would, uh, by that I mean the third episode. The last I episode, love... I just want to confirm if we're on the same wavelength. Did it feel extremely rushed to you? Uh, I would say so. Okay, yeah. great. We're at least on the same page. Yeah, yeah I would say so. Um but I love so in terms of the scary story, which is what are you afraid of the dark on the surface is really about. I mean, in the 90s through the 2000s, every episode is a new scary story. And some of it is really scary, dude. They actually far more than goosebumps. There is some scary images and just stories from Are You Afraid of the Dark? So on the surface, I think what you want from an Are You Afraid of the Dark reboot is like a scary story. Um, but in Thinking about the series before I watched the reboot and thinking about the series afterwards, I've, I've come to the conclusion that that is absolutely not what I love about Are You Afraid of the Dark? What I love about Are You Afraid of the Dark? And so that means what I love about the original series and this new series is the love of storytelling and scary storytelling and like just being a kid and hanging out with your friends and getting captivated by a mystery um, and exploring that mystery. Because really, that's almost what every single episode of the original series about is about. From the kids around the campfire who are who want to hear these stories and are getting captivated by the mystery being told to them, to the actual bulk of the episode, which is normally a kid finds something weird going on and investigates it and then scary shit happens. I right. lo I love that idea. And the original series, there's a whole lot of episodes. I would say most of those episodes, most of those stories don't really scare me back then or, of course, now. Um, some of them aren't really good. The story is not a good idea um, or is not <laughs> executed in a scary way. It just kind of falls flat. And and so there's a lot of that in the original show. But the beauty of the original show, um, one, is that you get to try again with another episode. But also there is just something fun about watching the stories unfold. And if it works for you or not, um, is okay because I like being there and also another episode is going to happen and maybe I'll have more fun with that one. And I think what this show does right is that 
the scary story that is being told by the Midnight Society isn't the hook of the show. Um, Okay. So even though the scary story that is told didn't work for me, while I can't say, okay, I'll try again with the next episode because this is the series, this is the reboot we got, I can say that because the show spent so much time with the Midnight Society and what it means to love horror and tell scary stories to your friends and have fun being scared um, and have fun investigating mysteries, all that stuff is all throughout all three episodes. And so I loved, loved, loved that stuff. And so while Mr. Top Hat, our main villain, didn't work for me, um, the series as a whole really impressed me because it was about the love of horror and telling stories and mystery. And so this reboot actually really made me like reevaluate my love for the original show and what worked for me. And I think this is like a perfect, perfect setup for more Are You Afraid of the Dark installments in the present day. And it's even, it's a perfect setup to go into your regular anthology series now and have a scary story every episode. And now I've read that they're doing a second season Mm -hmm. with an entirely new cast. And so finally a TV show made in the 2010s just commits to the fucking anthology bit for once. Cause so many shows I'm, I'm really picking, I have a bone to pick with stranger things, which is mostly they were going to do that. And then they just didn't. And to the detriment of the show over time, because yeah. it's like, we're just going to hold on to this forever, even though we had one good idea for it. And it's like, just let but, stuff go. This is great. But I, that does, the fact that this, this second season of the new Are You Afraid of the Dark is a new cast. Um, Bittersweet. That kind, that kind, well, it kind of confuses me just because, does that mean they're going to try another big, like, Almost story certainly, just yeah. Just like this one? I, I think the bit will be that every instance of Are You Afraid of the Dark is probably, like... They tell a story and then fuck it's real. Like it's almost certainly going to be something like that, which I think is maybe not an amazing choice, but I have to see it executed first to see like how they go about it. Um, I also, cause I don't know if you could transition this into the traditional format either. You know what I mean? Cause we've already had the big thing. So then it, it just kind of, while I like these kids and I would be interested in like seeing more of that. I don't know if you actually could. Yeah, it uh, it seemed to me the way this uh, this seemed to operate as like a really killer pilot, and then the rest of the show would follow the format of the original, where it's like these kids we know are sitting around a campfire, telling a scary story every episode, and um, now that we know the kids, it'll probably be a bit more free to like explore when those kids are away from the campfire um, but it would still be that they're telling a scary it just it does it it seems like this show puts so much work into these characters in the midnight society that and telling to, to scary just get stories. rid of it seems bizarre yeah yeah it seems like this is like this is kind of what that original series was missing i think because i think this ties into like the lore and the feeling of the original series so well and then from this point on now you're free to to go ahead and just tell, you know, as as many scary stories as as you want. You don't have to put all your stock in Mr. Top Hat, you know what I mean? Yeah, I will say though that um I I just I just can't see them making that transition very well. And I I don't know how you balance 
wanting stuff away from the campfire with just the straight up storytelling um in the format of a regular tv show like i just don't i just can't picture how it i, I don't see it working um based on what i've seen here and what i think the strengths of this are i think it would just have to be different yeah and i guess that in doing that they're probably like okay let's cut our losses and just go full anthology with it i guess i don't know yeah i just i wonder what that full anthology means because i would think that this is a setup to do a full anthology series but in order to do that you need to keep these kids i don't know do the kids to... get too old how old are these kids they're like 17 like yeah good point i, I all the, all that is to say that i liked this enough to be super interested in yeah. whatever the second season is um we uh we came down on a similar on a similar wavelength which is i really liked watching it i don't know how well some of it stands up to scrutiny <laughs> like it's really fun uh there's a lot of stuff i really like there's a fair amount of stuff that i that i don't really like but the process of watching it is, is really it's super enjoyable and i think for this time of year it's a great fit um but i don't know if it's like truly spectacular or anything I, it might just be doing stuff that i like but i i almost wonder if the experience of watching it is better than the thing that it actually is if that makes sense hmm. i don't know i liked it i like a lot of things about it but in hindsight there's some stuff that i just think is eh. and um i guess i'm trying to decide if the stuff that i like outweighs the stuff that i don't i will say that um for me as someone who didn't watch the original are you afraid of the dark i didn't find that the uh the allure was in like the the storytelling part or the love of telling stories rather for me it was more just about like i liked that group of friends like doing stuff and i think you could have taken the more fantastical elements out of it and i still would have enjoyed that just fine because i think it's a likable group and the performances are good and it's some classic coming of age kind of stuff thrown in there which i know you're also a big fan of probably bigger than me realistically but um yeah i don't know i think that's i was more interested in that i'll just say it the story's not good uh and mr top hat is um i'll say bad just a bad villain and not interesting so or scary clarify what you mean when you say the story isn't good do you mean the story that rachel yeah yeah and and just that chunk or do you mean when the story comes to life i can't the story of the whole show um the story that she tells is not that interesting to me um and i don't she know was a, she was a child Corey. okay it's a child story okay what's your point i'm not a <laughs> child what do you want me to say liam <laughs> um I, I also so this is where it gets hard right because we didn't watch this in the right order so I, the experience the experience of the story was not as they intended it to be and so I think I think had I watched this show in order, I would have liked it less, not more. Um, that's in part because Thanks, I, Jeff Bezos. I was giving episode three a lot of fucking credit um, because when it just sort of cuts ahead and nobody remembers anything and it just sort of leaves you in the void and only Rachel knows what's happening and they have to go figure stuff out. I spent about 20 minutes assuming it was setting up a flashback and then it, it becomes kind of clear that that's not what's happening but i was 
giving the show a lot of room to be doing something sort of like structurally unique, which I thought was kind of interesting before realizing that I was watching the finale and then that kind of turned everything on its head. But I think if you watch it and think about the story chronologically as it was meant to be watched, um, yeah, the Mr. I'm just not that compelled by Mr. Top Hat. And I'm not that compelled, like you said, by like the carnival setting. Uh, I think it's really corny, actually. Um, I think it's great for kids. I think it's got a lot of stuff that would scare the shit out of a kid. And like you're saying, this is a story for kids. So I think in that way, it's doing a great job. For me as a 23-year-old man, uh, I'm not interested in the setting. I'm not interested in Mr. Top Hat as like an antagonist. And so I became less interested when it got away from the dynamic of the group and more focused on like beating the bad guy is more what i mean right yeah um and that really comes to the forefront in what is meant to be the last episode doesn't it yeah which is it's so it's weird for me to say that i think i liked it more watching it this way but i think it's because i would have liked the finale even less had i seen it in order not that i disliked it but I would have liked it less because it's also, it moves really fucking fast. Like it's like actively trying to finish the whole time. It feels like, like it's just moving from the thing to the thing to the next thing. So, uh, I think it would have felt even more pronounced had we had two episodes of like full buildup and then just like a sprint to the finish like that. Um, but it's also hard to say because that's not the order we watched it in. So who knows? Who knows if that's true? Yeah, I, I found when, when I watched the second episode after the third episode that it made a lot more sense. And I, and I could give it way more credit because I really liked the the extra buildup that I didn't get before watching the last episode. I liked them uh, talking about how... Um, uh, they've like already Googled the carnival yeah. and uh, and the stuff that they need to, and they've already it's gone like, to the library. Yeah, they've yeah. already done all those things that like you would normally do in these situations. Um, I liked the setup with the 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 brother who is the police officer. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought his arc made a lot more sense after seeing the second <laughs> it's episode. Truly baffling if you watch it in the wrong order. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, though it is it is a bit cool, like you said, that you 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 gave it leeway for the first twenty minutes. I gave it, it going to be a flashback. A lot of leeway because, because the last episode opens with our main character Rachel telling her friends that they're just forgetting what happened and they've all done this stuff before. And so I was also thinking that um, that once I got to the second episode. Um, last, I, w- I was thinking, man, I'm kind of like the kids are at the beginning of the third episode where it's like I ha- also had no idea what was going on and I didn't know what Rachel was talking yeah, about. And so I thought it was really cool when Rachel is like walking them through like we need to get your phone because it has a video on it because you were with somebody and we need to see the video and we were here and we were there and I was like, they're eventually going to show us this and that's going to be cool. It's cool that they're not showing us it. I think it's a bold choice for a kid show to leave out all this information and work through it this way. Um, non-chronologically until I realized that's not what they did, <laughs> but I yeah, thought it, it was would, a cool it, idea. 
it, yeah, it would be it would be bold and cool, but it would also be confuse the shit because, out of a kid. Yeah, because well, because we're adults and we were fucking. Confused. Yeah, and this show is for kids. It's rated seven plus. This would yeah. So this would light a seven year old's brain on fire. Yeah. So seeing the second episode, once I got to it, I was like, oh, okay. I this makes a lot more sense <laughs> now. This is a much better told story. Um, and then I I I got to the third episode um, again. Like I went back and watched some of the last episode just to line up the ending with the beginning. And I found it flowed really nicely. And mm-hmm. I was... It feels everything. a bit like a movie, honestly. It's very like direct. Yeah, yeah. And so, but each movie, or sorry, each episode does end with your your little cliffhanger, which I love stuff like that, especially in kids horror. You know, it's an R.L. Stein classic in the Goosebumps book where every chapter you just, you want to flip to just see what happens because it sounds like the world's about to end. And so I thought both cliffhangers in the two preceding episodes leading up to the finale were both, they would have this aired, I think, three nights in a row on YTV. Uh, three crazy. weeks in a row. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. 11th, that, 18th, 25th of October, 2019. Also crazy that YTV oh. is still a channel. Yo, really That's quick, insane. I need to point this out. Episode two aired the day we're recording this last year. Yeah. We finally hit sense. one of those dates correctly. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense <laughs> because, you know, it was an October show last year so it's definitely good for the season um but yeah so the the cliffhangers if i was seeing this on tv um i i would want to tune in next week like i think that they it's segmented really cool to keep you watching uh, you know as a tv show but then when you watch it all together it makes sense you know it's like the it miniseries back from 1990 where nowadays people watch it all at once but back then it aired on tv and you wanted to tune in because it's 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 got a it's, it's got some it baby it. that's right <laughs> sorry i don't know what the fuck that was was that the spooktober man i don't know does the spooktober man love showbiz like hey everybody <laughs> <laughs> um so let's see what do we what's the what's a good place to go from here i'm gonna say performances let's do that i want to start with all the complaining i have can i do that yeah um Raphael casal holy fuck one of the most miscast things i've ever seen or i just really don't like mr top hat i'm not sure which it is but Man, not good. <laughs> Dang. Um, and maybe this was the point. He's really annoying, and right. I can tell he's having a lot of fun. And I like when you can tell that actors are having fun. And I have no doubt this was great. This is your antagonist. You you really gotta sell it, even if it's for kids. Kids aren't just gonna be scared by fucking anything. This is a guy in a hat. Uh who just sort of has some showmanship to him. I don't know, man. I just, I, 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 I just didn't like it. <laughs> it is, it, it is a tough line to walk there. Yeah. Um, I feel like they played it too safe, a little bit too safe. Yeah. Because when it comes to trying to scare kids, you often, you need a villain that is charismatic and likable to kids that kids want to watch and sort yeah. of get involved with. But then he also, you know, you need that edge in order to scare them. Yeah. I mean, 
Tim Tim Curry in that original It is a great example. And for so many people, Tim Curry works because he is, uh, you know, he's talking with this sort of New York accent and he's really bubbly uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and wild. Yeah. And so <laughs> so a kid, you know, kind of becomes fascinated with that, but then he's able to flip and become yeah. super scary. And so when you're on an edge like that. Yeah. Uh, and I think Mr. Top Hat not gonna work. is really charismatic, but I don't think he can do the flip. And I think that feels crucial. Maybe because I'm an adult, it feels a little bit more important. Because I think there's still plenty of shit in here that would just terrify the shit out of a seven-year-old. Like a urinal pouring scorpions out. Probably a bad time for a child. There was just something missing. And it drove me nuts. I think because I really liked the core group. And their dynamic is really interesting. And I feel like stylistically the show sort of plays into having a lot of like cleverly edited or like quickly edited things that sort of go with like this snappy dialogue that the group gets and it's just like yeah i'm down with these kids but uh there was it felt like there was like just a big hole in the show because the mr top hat stuff is not super compelling for me and the performance while again he's clearly having the time of his life and i love that a lot uh i don't know just wasn't for me i guess yeah, that's total, totally fair. For me, that is where the hole in the show is as well, because I didn't find him uh, scary. Um, He's not like even not that really, threatening. Yeah, not threatening. And it's just like not really my horror sensibilities. You know, like some people have a clown thing that scares them. Some people are just like scared of carnivals and attractions like that and stuff. And uh, I don't even know why this um, place is called the Carnival of Doom, because most of it looks like a normal carnival. <laughs> yeah yeah totally um for me mr top hat didn't annoy me like he annoyed you but he um and, and i thought some of the performance was actually really um i, I mean he's going in he's, and so he's i thought super charismatic and he's having a good time that's sort of what i mean by that where it's like he's going for it but i don't like what he's going for yeah, I yeah, I liked the moments where he was going for it. It just didn't feel like it added up to stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like he felt sort of like Heath Ledger in the Joker to me, just like how eccentric and uh and like big he's being, but then the the difference I think <laughs> is that in The Dark Knight, you know, you you got the story around it that that makes the Joker threatening yeah. and he he has those big moments whereas this didn't have it. Um so yeah, the 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 whole Mister Top Hat stuff yeah. as your big threat, you you gotta have him. Uh, yeah, I like but, his but Freddy Krueger moment where he's on the ceiling, and is like appearing in yeah. dreams. Like that was neat. I appreciated yeah. that. But yeah, it, it, I think you 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 said it best when it's like it doesn't add up to much. Whereas, I think the group dynamic really comes together by the end of it. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if we just have a good hit rate for coming of age things, but like every kid here is great. (laughs) Like every single one is really great. I thought so too. Uh, Dude, right when this started, I just thought, holy shit, like acting has come such a long way since the 90s because <laughs> because it's it can't just be like a budget or a direction thing because yeah. they had so many attempts in are you afraid of the dark back to do in the better day to to get kids like this and it just didn't seem to happen so maybe I'm just, it had less I'm just of a like, budget back in the day because i imagine these these kids aren't nobodies like they maybe had maybe uh they got it guy <laughs> got you're right yeah yeah <laughs> And I, and I'm sure there's there's some performances in that original series that are cool, but it's just 
I watched a couple Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes before doing this mini series, and the difference is just night and day, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool. And I, I like that. I both like and kind of dislike, not dislike, but everybody's got really defined personalities. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I don't love that they're, that they're just, they're very cliched choices because you can sort of boil it down to like protagonist, new girl, um, dorky friend popular girlfriend stubborn friend and nice boy but um they're all fucking great at it and there are unique twists on those individual things i think in the first place that the midnight society was already a thing and these four kids were already friends helps a lot because it gives you an appreciation for the fact that yeah they don't want to they want to do the joke where they don't break social status at school so like nobody talks to graham at school because it's not cool but I appreciate that they set up like, no, all these kids know each other. They've been doing this for a while. This is like a thing. But um, I think like Akiko being like a director is a fun twist and like trying to rope people into producing stuff. I think that's very endemic of this is made by filmmakers and also nostalgic people. So they're probably like, dude, it would have been sick as fuck to do this when I was in middle school. Let's have a character that does this while she's in middle school. Yeah, yeah, make that's really the thing that got me, man, is I could see myself in like almost all these kids because you're right that on the surface they do seem like nice girl and nice boy, stubborn kid, but I think the the performances and the writing does a really good job at yeah, softening these archetypes and making them uh more like bounce off each other, feel like friends and and feel like uh, real people um you know it, it's it's not really that breakfast club thing where no, it's like they feel like these archetypes are really harshly set next to each other and then and then it you know it takes a while for all that to break down it, it feels like that they're individual characters but they are friends and that's yeah. it's sort of what there's, childhood is like there's small moments that do a lot to sort of amplify that i think even little stuff like um Adam tries to open her locker while she's like right away, like on day one. And then they like, they hang out at lunch. And then, you know, a couple weeks in when he goes missing, like she cares. Yeah. Cause that was the first person that was ever nice to her at this fucking school. Or when in the third episode, they're driving to Iowa, Idaho and I state mm-hmm. one of them, yep. one of those States, uh, Graham falls asleep on Louise and, like they're like oh we got to get a picture of this like this is going to be hilarious or they're they're trying to get that video from Akiko's friend and when it cuts back while they were waiting like Louise and Rachel were just sharing earbuds like watching something just hanging out in the bed just like waiting and i'm like this this is what this is what these are things people do like this is these feel like real kids i also feel like what i they're always framed in a way like every group shot of them hanging out makes them look really cool so I'm like, uh, like they're all sitting on the hood of a cop car or they're like all framed together on that bench with all those missing kid posters behind them. And they're all just like posed in a cool way. But yeah. uh, they just more than seeming cool or anything. They they do feel like a not just real teenagers or kids. I don't know. Like, I don't know how old they're supposed to be, but like they feel like a real friend group. And um, that goes a really, really long way. And individually, I think everybody's really good. I think uh, Liliana Ray is great 
um, sort of carrying it. They give her a lot of responsibility um, as an actor to carry a lot of that finale on her own uh, because she the character really takes charge. Um, so I think she's she's great. I think and everyone is just like very charming. Is that Rachel? Yes. Should have made that cool. clear, but yes. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think we could go on about that forever, but that's the highlight of the show, I think, is that group together. Yes, yeah, I think so, I think so too. Um, I think that the fact that the 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 kids feel so real and um and and you wouldn't mind watching just like a a movie or a show of them just hanging out without the supernatural stuff makes the supernatural stuff more exciting even if we didn't like you know the actual choices they made of mr top hat and stuff the fact that you get these characters you like um that you could kind of recognize maybe from your own life from your own friendships and then it's amplified just a little bit it's heightened um and you're putting like these cool wrinkles in the story where these kids meet up in the woods at midnight they they pull a canoe like across a creek yeah and what then- a- I don't remember it being that hard for these kids to get to the Midnight Society location. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is a true odyssey. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, and they wear these masks, and it's just like, I, I, I just, I love stuff like that. That's the sort of thing that I would absolutely just be, uh, like, floored by if, if I saw this when I was a kid. And it's the stuff that I always wondered about when I watched that original are you afraid of the dark series was I, I I wanted to know like where this location was in the woods, how they got there. If it was really midnight, if these kids <laughs> talked at school, you know, if they were friends, otherwise I wondered about all that stuff. I tried to arrange midnight societies with my own oh friends. Oh my God. Did we, it we work? Meet up in the woods and it never became a regular thing, but we definitely got a sesh or two. Holy there. Shit. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the making movie stuff, you know, I, I definitely remember making short films when you're a kid, just like yeah. with whatever friends you can gather. And so um, and and then I, I have very vivid memories of m- me and my friends thinking that we're like on to something yeah. in our small town where it's like, oh, shit. No, like the, the person next door is a killer. Like I'm right. not even joking right like yeah. they they're trying to kill us we have to get to the bottom of this and so i think this show just does a great job at at tapping into that stuff yeah but then I, pushing it all the way all the way through i think people like you and i are very well represented here <laughs> like yeah i will say it one thing that feels a bit weird to me is that it's written by just one guy seemingly which is kind of i just find that interesting because it feels like the work of a room in that um i really like this snappiness and like the uh the distinct personalities but i almost feel like it flattens things out a little bit because of how stylisticy or a little bit stylistic that gets sometimes when it's coinciding with the editing and stuff like maybe it's a little bit snappier than like you know kids actually talk um but overall i, I think mean. it's really good i think yeah there are moments where it stops feeling like a group of kids and it just starts feeling a bit movie E, for it lack is, of like a better it's, term, it's 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 definitely like a heightened reality. Yeah, but they sell that really well, and like I'm saying, the editing too does it a lot of favors. It just makes a lot of interesting choices too. Like when we get the montage of like Rachel getting like messages from the Midnight Society, and she wants to join, so she's like following along and like answering questions, and um, we get uh, visually every 
close-up, it seems, is done with a wide lens, and it's always got like a pretty narrow like field of focus. I think all the close-ups look really cool. I think it adds to a weird sort of estrangement that goes with the horror tone really well. I also like that we start in like a nightmare that sets up what the actual rest of the story is going to be, and visually it tries to communicate some things, not just with the setting, but like there is an effort to use the camera in interesting ways. And I think when you get like those stylized close-ups cutting back and forth between characters and like with the library thing, like cutting to other locations and doing things really quick, like it's a little bit quick, but um, it's really, it's refreshing. I think if you think about something like to all the boys I loved before, and I'm sorry for picking that up because of course I am because you know, somebody on this podcast has to champion something it's got a similar kind of thing where there are moments where like it just breaks into montage or it breaks into like really quick stuff and you're just like, Oh shit. Okay. Fuck. So I don't know if that's just like a thing in like teen entertainment now or something, but, uh, I like it. It it works. I I liked it here too. Definitely. I will say I can't remember a single piece of music. Oh dude. I absolutely can. Every time oh, they dropped the original Are You Afraid of the Dark theme was perfect. Oh my god, amazing. I so, believe it, but I don't know what the original Are You Afraid of the Dark theme is. Right, yeah, no, I totally understand that. Um, but the original Are You Afraid of the Dark theme is a super memorable melody. Scared so many kids out there, uh, myself included you know if you look it up on the internet you'll you'll find ki- people talking about it how much just like hearing that theme really freaked them out so it's it's a it's a really like evocative spooky piece of instrumental music and this show used it maybe three or four times at like really i think m- memorable uh but subtle moments um so one was uh at the end of the first episode, after she has told the story, Rachel, about the Carnival of Doom, mm-hmm. and they get the flyers in the yeah. class about Carnival of Doom, the there's like an organ that starts playing the original Are You Afraid of the Dark theme. Um, it played earlier in that episode as well. And uh, just every, every time that happened, it, it 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 it's like a nod to the original but i also felt like because that original piece of music is so strong it really worked for creating a mood i'm, I'm sorry to hear that that melody like didn't stick out to you and you didn't hear it but yeah uh, that, that honestly bums me, me really out because like i'm even thinking about the scene and i'm just like yeah i've got no like auditory recall on what the music is yeah we've switched places for once for once yeah <laughs> and um but I, I do think like um to the show's credit it real it feels like a really cohesive package, like everything slots into place really well. Even if I don't like parts of it, it all really comes together. Like it's exactly what it set out to be, and I can't fault it for that. And it's also for seven year olds, and I can't fault it for that either. Yeah, yeah, that's what impressed me the most. Um, it feels like it respects its audience thing. quite a bit, actually. It does, it, and it really feels like it has a purpose. Like it feels like it has a thesis statement. Um, I think the fact that the last episode ends with uh, the characters about to just tell each other another story, um, 
and the just the the, the fact that it, it really digs in to horror and and liking that stuff you know with between the t-shirts and then just like little moments where um Rachel was telling her Carnival of Doom story and then Graham like stops her to ask like yo details because he's dude's... too scared yeah we're, we're, wait like his eyes really weren't there like yours there was no eyes Graham at all and they're like Shut adorable. Up, Graham. he's telling the story it's just it's 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 that sort of thing where it's just that's that's kind of how it would go if you're telling a scary story because it's it's not just that that takes the are you afraid of the dark method um and of getting these stories across and like really um shows how important it is that you have the kids around the fire as well as the main story because there's just so much joy to like hearing a scary story and and then being involved with it as well you know you're you're hearing the story but you're also a part of it and i i just have so many memories of telling stories like that with my friends and and asking for clarification like that because like you're just so amazed at the story that's being told <laughs> or um whenever me and my high school friends would walk home after school we all lived in the same neighborhood about a 20 minute walk and we would tell stories every single day fictional stories and we would each talk for about <laughs> Imp- three or four minutes <laughs> important and to then, prove that these are fictional yeah <laughs> and um we would talk for about three or four minutes and then you pass it off to the next guy. He picks up where you left off and, and talks yeah. for three or four minutes. Then the other dude goes and you're sometimes stopping each other to say like, holy shit, that's that's so hilarious. That's so awesome. Um, yeah. And so I just I, I love that. That really seems to be what the show this this show is about, you know, this this miniseries. Um and so even though Mr. Top Hat didn't work for me, th- the fact that so much time is put into that stuff um, and like just like talking about the Midnight Society and who those kids are yeah. and how they are interacting with the scary story that has now come to life. It's it's just it's yeah, it's a totally heightened version of the idea of just like telling stories and then having to live with them and interact with them, you know, after playing dungeons and dragons the stories that you that you tell and partake in in that game they live in your head like a movie and so i i think that there's it this is that but just takes it to a whole other level so i've just got a big smile on my face over here because it's like it's so clearly taps into something like really pure and that for people Mm -hmm. who are like already into this kind of thing like it's just unlocking something that you used to do a lot more than you probably do now and that's just really nice like um, I don't like giving stuff like a 2020 pass because we just need nice things. But like, that's just a really sweet sentiment to like know that it's tapping into something that you did too when you were a kid, and that like I definitely like made movies with my friends and told stories and probably wrote stuff and you know all that kind of thing. And to to get a look at that again is to get a bit of a glimpse into what we used to be more like, and that's interesting. Um, also can confirm, uh, much like Graham listeners of this show will know that, uh, usually in a friend group, there's somebody who interrupts too much guilty as charged. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we need to start. Maybe you need to take my Graham, the haunted marshmallow. (laughs) That's really good. Clancy Brown strikes again. (laughs) I don't know what that means here, but it felt funny and it felt right. Um, yeah, I think uh, it just it's just it's good. It's good. 
It's good. It's nice. Oh, and dude, you know what made it even more good for me is that even though Jeff Bezos fucked us Fuck and you, it Jeff, was out you of piece order, of shit. this did benefit <laughs> from being on Amazon Prime because about every five, ten minutes, it went to a commercial for me. Did this happen for you as well? Uh, no. Uh, I didn't actually get ads because I have. Uh, wait, you got commercials? Yeah. How? How did you watch it then? Because you have to. You paid money for it, right? Yep. Then you shouldn't have got commercials because you paid for it. You got fucked again by Jeff. Jeff double dipped. Well, I'm telling you, I'm bringing this up to say I don't feel like I got fucked. It was awesome. <laughs> no, that's cool. I will say without commercials, the cuts to black feel really fucking abrupt. I bet. Yeah. No, but dude, so for this, Jeff Bezos, he helped me out making me sit through these commercials because I'm not talking like your YouTube ads. You're about, talking like, like two minutes Purina of commercials. Or something. No, I'm talking, it's just like a 30-second ad, but it's not your general ad. I was watching YTV bumpers. What the fuck? With, with the YTV voiceover, man. Are you, like, sh- did you dream this? No, I genuinely dude, don't joking. know how this happened. I it do- was absolutely amazing. I got YTV commercials in my stream, and so every time it cut to black, I would get the ytv uh for those americans out there ytv is sort of like nickelodeon it's for um, youth television probably that's right and so i would get the ytv voiceover man that i grew up with like promoting like that they were showing movies on ytv channel this weekend what or the- like a new show Liam, that was coming out sorry and it was awesome i'm sorry i'm so sorry i just did that thing i joked about doing too much can you film this can you play the street like i can't even picture this happening i don't know how the fuck that happened to you yeah, sure. Because I don't know how it would have like bespoke, relevant advertising that like I don't understand. Well, I I think the the channel that I watched it on, which was Amazon Prime, but Amazon Prime like has yeah these I watched it on, on like Nickelodeon Plus. That's right, and so I guess because it was on Nickelodeon Plus, the ads are. But what like I'm saying is, you shouldn't things. have had ads at all, because you paid money. That's the whole point. Like. I, I liked it. It's no, it's good, for, dude. I, I dude, I, I watch commercials for fun. I get it, like, but that's just weird to me. That's cool. I'm glad you got that. That sounds tight. I'm just picturing awesome. like it cuts to an ad for fucking Beyblades. You're just like, yeah, oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> Did it actually yeah, do man. shit like that? No, it was just <laughs> it was just like advertising stuff on the network that's like um, shit on disney plus that they just uploaded with the ads embedded into it still did we talk about that yet i think we did during parent trap yeah. for some reason yeah, yeah we did we did um yeah that sounds cool uh also one last thing i like is that it's doing that thing that every school movie does ever which is where you end up with a group of friends that are on different rungs of the social ladder like in terms of coolness or popularity I don't know how true that is in schools anymore. I feel like that is maybe flattened out a little bit, like hierarchies. I don't know if those are really a thing in the same way they were. But I do appreciate that this is letting kids know that, like, horrors for everybody. Like, you, you can't be too cool for it or you're not too uncool for it. Does this idea make sense? Basically, what I'm saying is I like that it's inclusive. Oh, yeah. No, I, I totally <laughs> felt that. I think that made the thesis way stronger is yeah. that the horror wasn't just for like... Yeah, it's like, not all for Graham. We've yeah. got a cheerleader. We've got like a filmmaker. We've got fucking Timothy Chalamet. We're all here. 
Yeah. And they're all passionate about it for different reasons. And, you know, I, I loved the conversation where uh, they were arguing about what is and isn't horror yeah. in the backseat of the yeah. car. Like, just and it, shit like that's that. That's fun because, like, it. it felt insufferable, like, genre distinction. But it's also like, these are conversations people have. I've definitely had that conversation. We all have. Yeah. Um, like, I lost my phone. That was scary. But is it horror? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also yeah, like the conversation yeah. with Rachel and Gavin on the boat where Gavin talks a bit about why he's why he likes doing it yeah and that sort of speaks to your thing about the just liking to tell stories it's just nice you know it's nice nice time nice time people should watch it i think i think it's good for I, the it's good for the season i think so too yeah i think it's really really good for like so good that like i would i'm definitely gonna watch the season two whenever that drops i'm assuming it would be an october somewhere but i think this is good enough to like watch every every october every other october i mean it's just uh it puts you in the mood it's just a it's a nice story it's really it's really cool um i loved it yeah i uh i really liked watching it obviously we've got a couple qualms one way or the other but i think uh overall was like a viewing experience it 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 stands above those and manages to still be really enjoyable watch it in the right order for the love of god one three two on amazon prime video Mm-hmm. anywhere else one two three yeah uh right so let's call it yeah let's uh let's call it uh i oh shit what's the line i'm gonna get it wrong what does she say i officially call did she say that she calls the meeting adjourned this meeting of the midnight society what's the line fuck yeah i don't know i can't what does she say either. precisely i officially demand decree ensure assert and require that this meeting of they made another one is adjourned. And with that, Liam and I would like to thank you very much for listening to another episode of they made another one. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at they made another, which is all one word and on letterboxd at T M A O. You can find episodes on anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google podcasts, stitcher breaker and everything else as they made another one. You can reach us via email at T M A O podcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what name you would give a fictional character that referenced a famous horror director. Say that three times fast. I dare you. It's a good question. It is a good question. I hope somebody answers it. Our fantastic thumbnail art and its Halloween variant that you're seeing right now is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And our custom-made soundboard clips that you're finally hearing again after I just sort of forgot to use them for a couple weeks are courtesy of Jason DeLine, who you can find on Instagram at DeLineMan. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. And for what it's worth, if I had a last name based on a director, it would be Del Toro. Like just Liam Del Toro? Or would you just, would you change your first name as well? Would you just go all in? (laughs) I would change my first name to Giuseppe. (laughs) Giuseppe (laughs) Stromboli. Giuseppe Stromboli <laughs> Deltor. <laughs> um, you can catch me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. If I had to pick a famous horror director last name to use, I also don't have a good idea for a first name, but I think we've set a precedent that I have to take Romero. That's a good one. That's a good one. And uh, last but not least, so if you can believe it, I have another podcast. It's been going for several weeks, and that means you've got a lot to go check out if you'd like to hear it. I, uh, I've i been 
not plugging it strategically so people would have a backlog and definitely didn't just forget. So nobody say I forgot. Uh, I hosted with Neil, who was a friend of the show. You've heard him on the American Pie episode. You might be hearing him again soon. And uh, we are rewatching all of the classic fantasy television show Mortal Kombat Conquest under the title of MK PodQuest, which you can find on Twitter at that handle and on all your podcasting services except for Apple when they finally decide to let us on and stop keeping us out. I don't know why they haven't let us on yet. It's not cool. But if you're looking for more of me for some reason, that's where you can get it. And uh, if you're looking for more of us, well, you can tune in here next time for more. They made another one? They made another one?